are listening to Rogue Table Talks. Here's Mike. And here we are, Rogue Table Talks number 121. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a lot of them. Uh, yes. 121. Uh, numero 121. <laughs> uh, a lot of water under the bridge. A lot of water under the bridge. Mm-hmm. That's right. Uh, and uh, here we are still. Uh, Mike and Chad. Uh, com. if you want to check that out or send us an email at rtt at roketabletalks.com or find us on YouTube or subscribe anywhere where you subscribe to these sorts of things. Um, we are uh, here. We have this beautiful day uh, here in the, in the STL uh, yep. hint of it's not fall yet, but you know, kind of can see it from here. Uh, beautiful sunny day. Uh, and we're going to talk about uh, the gospel. Uh, we started this last week a bit and uh, we're going to, we're in Galatians and we're going to talk about kind of the origin of the gospel uh, and, you know, so that's what's coming up. Uh, and uh, we're going to um, sort of delve into perhaps some little deeper waters uh, philosophically or theologically. Uh, for, you know, whenever, not that we don't normally, obviously, every podcast is a <laughs> treatise. Yeah, I mean, you're stating the obvious. So. Yeah, what am I saying? <laughs> Duh. Um, and so, uh, yeah, because I do think there's a lot, uh, especially if we've been around a while, uh, maybe read, the, you know, familiar with the Bible a while, you know, that we've heard gospel, we've been in church, so on, so on. Uh, there's a lot we pretend, you know, we might t- you know, take for granted. And uh, so let's delve into a little of that, uh, you know, in here just a moment. Um, before we do, how are you doing this fine morning? Mm. I'm doing well. It is a fine morning. It's beautiful. I love the feel of the air, and I plan on. I'm going to go on a hike either later today or tomorrow. It's just going to oh, be beautiful. Good. Get outside. That sounds good. Yeah. Take the dog outside. I'm doing well. Um, up early, having coffee, ready to go. Get the kids. Courtney is out. Um, so some people may not know this. They might. My wife is going to get her skydiving certification. <laughs> Yeah. She jumps out of one airplane and all of a sudden she's an addict. She's got, so she's out in Utah right now um, because they have um, great weather and because they have big skydiving places. So she's, she's jumped out three times yesterday. One completely solo. No, but no instructor holding on to her or anything. So um, I'm holding the fort down here and she's flying through the air. So, Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I don't think that's for me. Uh, well, me I neither. I mean, and I'm, yeah. I'm not like afraid of it, but I did it once and I'm like, oh, that was, that was fun to do once, but I don't, what I mean, desire to do it again. I'd rather ride a roller coaster. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. I don't know. So, that, I, don't, I don't know if we weave that into our topic. I'd have to think about how to, <laughs> how to do that. But uh, yeah, that's fun. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. I, I don't know that. Uh, I feel like I we even want to want to do that, so it's fine. It's not like I'm mm-hmm. jealous. It's just it's great. It's great for her. So I don't think it's for me. Good for you. Good for you. I'll stay down here. <laughs> yeah, I'm fine. I'm the old Terra Firma. Uh, okay, mm-hmm. so 
as you're flying uh, solo. Uh, and mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I'm here. Nancy's at work. And um, so it's me and me and Tilly the dog, uh, who seems to want something from me, but I'm going to ignore her for the next <laughs> little while, half an hour or so. Um, so uh, let me let me read just a little bit of Galatians one to kind of set the table from for what we're talking about and get into it. Um, and starting in verse eleven of Galatians one, Paul is talking about the gospel. He started out by saying, "Hey, I'm really astonished you." you know, leaving the, the gospel message, I left you for another gospel. Not that there's another one. Verse 11, he says, For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it, and I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my, of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went away into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas, Peter, and remained with him 15 days. I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother, and what I am writing to you before God, I do not lie. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They were only hearing it said, he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy, and they glorified God because of me. Uh, okay, so this is... We're going to talk about where the gospel, in a sense, comes from. You know, so last week, no other gospel. This week, it's not made up by people. Uh, hmm. It's it comes from a divine source. He said, you know, and, the, and we know from Acts that you know the the famous road to Damascus encounter uh, that he received this gospel through a revelation of of Jesus Christ Himself comes to him. Uh, and, you know, he's validated it's as the same gospel that the other apostles, you know, that's what he's saying is that the other apostles also uh, received this gospel through a revelation and it's the same. And so it's, it comes from God. It's not just made up. Uh, so um, I guess there's, there's a lot there, I, I think, um, first of all, yeah. but um, so let's let me let's just start with it, you know it's not made up by people it, it comes from god it comes via a revelation so what do you what is that how would you define if somebody asked what that meant like what does he mean by it comes through a revelation not just that what happened but what is he saying about where we get the gospel uh yeah i i think he's you know just saying I, we didn't we didn't make this up we didn't create it in fact look how i uh look how my life was and if i were going to create a religion uh i was already in one i was already in a strong one and i was advancing and i was you know i was good at it and then something happened to me that so arrested me you know 
existential crisis for Paul. Uh, why would I go create another religion? I didn't do that. And you guys know I didn't do that because you already knew the apostles were, the other apostles were preaching this. And you knew this was the gospel and I received it from Christ. And then I went back and confirmed with everyone else. Um, so it's not, it's not man-made. But I also equate when he says, you know, uh, when we say, you know, it's not from man, I also think, tend to equate right, right or wrong, that it's also not, uh, you know, man-oriented. And what I mean is, it's also not a religion based on works, trying to build yourself a ladder or a staircase to heaven. Yes. You know, if okay. the origin is the source from God, and it comes down to us, then what does that mean for, you know, how we interpret God and life and the gospel? And what does that mean as opposed to, well, we we thought we would build this thing. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's a, that uh, there's a lot there. I mean, there's a lot in, in uh, you know, what you just said that um, we, we could probably talk about for a long time. I do think, you know, what you just said about, you know, it doesn't, the fact that it comes from above, if you will, to use that metaphor, uh, every every religion that comes from below, in a sense, is all these things we have to do to make our way to God. Uh, and one of the things Paul is saying is that didn't happen that way. He came to me, mm -hmm. uh, and you know, there's this divine source that you know. And so let's just maybe just press pause in this discussion and just, cause I think it's a, it's a relevant time then and we can come back to it to say, okay, just like when, when, when he says this gospel, what does he mean? Mm -hmm. You know, what is the gospel that Paul is preaching? Let's talk about that for a second. How would you answer that question? Wow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what is the gospel? Um, let me tell you what I think. It's not, but it contains. And I think where we get into trouble is it's one of those quote-unquote magical words that we use in the church a lot. It's insider language, and we say, mm -hmm. you know, I'm going to preach the gospel, or that church preaches the gospel, or you need to believe the gospel, you need to receive the gospel. Like, oh, it gets thrown around so much, and I don't know if it's always helpful to do that, but one of the things that it immediately means to people is Jesus died on the cross so I could be forgiven of my sins and go to heaven. Okay, well, it's not less than that, but that becomes really problematic if that's all that it is, or if it becomes just immediately equated with that and nothing else. So, you know, what is the gospel? Well, it's that, but for Paul, they're not especially at the time of the New Testament canon was being written, they're not necessarily thinking through deity of Christ, Trinity stuff. A lot of that stuff was developed later. What they're wrestling with is we've known that someone was going to come from the line of David who was going to reign on an eternal throne, and that was going to be God's anointed one. That's what Messiah means. And Jesus Christ rose from the dead and proclaimed that he was this Messiah. So they're grappling with that. What does it mean for them? 
that the good news of the gospel is that the Messiah has finally come. And when Messiah comes, he's going to set all things right. Our relationship with God, relationship with others, restore uh, the people of God to their proper missional function, um, and heal creation. Creation's been groaning. Creation's been cursed. It's under the curse because, and, and when Messiah comes through his reign, no more thorns and thistles. That's what the prophets prophesy about. Like new heavens and new earth is not a revelation thing. It's an Isaiah thing and it shows up in revelation. And it's when Messiah comes, this reign will be like this. So one of the things that it has to mean is, is something along those lines. Yeah, I think, I think that's a, it, yeah, so the, it means a lot. Is what you're saying? It means a lot. Uh, there you go. It means a lot, uh, and they had a context uh, that the word would fit into that we don't necessarily have. Uh, that you know they believed they were in this bigger story. Yeah. You know of you know uh, creation and you know sin and, and fall uh, and redemption and a future of, you know, uh, recreation where all is put right, uh, eventually. And they, so they had this understanding that they're in this story and then the gospel fits into the story. And so we have to kind of have that understanding as well, which then broadens the definition of gospel. It doesn't just mean, uh, you know, I assumed I have a sin problem and I'm going to go to hell without some sort of intervention and Jesus is the intervention. And it comes to us by grace. Like you said, it's not less than that. That All those things are true statements. Um, and so the gospel is the good news that how, who I am, you know, uh, uh, to whom I belong, what story I'm in, uh, that, you know, all that is broken in me can be healed. And that comes to me by grace. That comes to me because God took the initiative. And that all of that had been explained through the Old Testament, you know, the one who was to come, who was going to set right all these things. And so the gospel fits into that story of, you know, creation, fall, redemption, you know, recreation, that our Redeemer, the one that we're waiting for, the Messiah, has come. And and so that's the gospel that, uh, you know, Paul has preached to them, that they're, you know, especially to, to the Gentiles, you're, you're in this story. We're in this situation. We're, you know, we can't fix it ourselves. Uh, God, by his grace, provides this you know, gracious solution that then transforms us into this new people. And mm -hmm. on this new people, we're on a mission. And in our future will be the redemption of all things. And, and you know, and it's all by God's grace. Obviously, that's such a big story. It's much beyond just fixing me and getting me out of my hell problem yeah. uh even though i couldn't do that it's much bigger than that it all comes from god's grace uh and so that's what he's he's saying is that gospel and so when jesus comes to him on damascus he already has it's he already has a lot of the story he was just denying that the jesus is the one who was to come and we yes. we know this later right because he when he's telling his story later in acts he 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 reveals more of the story where Jesus says to him, why are you kicking against, you know, the goads as it were, why are you resisting? Like, like Jesus was already working on him in his spirit and he was resisting. Yep. And, you know, why are you resisting? 
okay, he finally gives in to then Jesus is the piece that fits into this whole story. And sometimes we modern people uh, don't have, you know, don't think of the whole story. Uh, and so then we can say the gospel is just about what Jesus did on the cross, where it's about what Jesus did on the cross in the context of this whole story that we're in and then this yeah. whole story that's going to be in front of us. And that's the gospel. So that gospel has to come by grace. It has to come by God. It's not something we can do. We're powerless if it's that big of a story. Uh, and so back to then um, this idea of revelation. I received this gospel through a revelation of Jesus Christ. So, um, okay, so now we're going to get a little in the weeds uh, in, the, in the, you know, in the whatever, 20, 10, 15, 20 minutes we have left. So okay. then... Is that different from how you and I receive the gospel? Hmm. I mean, okay, it's... obviously we weren't on the road to Damascus. We <laughs> audibly here. But don't do we receive the gospel by revelation? Yeah, I would say is it different? Yes and no. Um it's different in the sense of you know, this is why we have high standards for why the books of the New Testament are in the New Testament, because in order for because there's a lot of letters during this time, right? There's, there's a lot of letters, letters that don't make it in yeah. a lot of letters that don't make it in. And um, uh, one of the qualifications was, has this author was this author an eyewitness of Jesus? Uh, were they there? And Paul's revelation on the Damascus road uh, qualified him as an apostle, as someone with authority, because he had seen Jesus and heard Jesus. And so we don't get that type of authority. Uh, we, it's not that type of revelation where my words are on, Paul, are on par with Peter, Paul, John, Mark, anything um, no preacher gets to claim that. No Bible teacher gets to claim that. There's, my sermon or this podcast is, is never thus saith the Lord, right? Right. right. But right. we are... That would are, be a good podcast name, though. Thus saith the Lord. <laughs> but, Welcome but to Thus we, Saith the Lord. <laughs> and all of John MacArthur's listeners would... Ah, everybody. Come on. We're here every week. Uh-oh. But, uh, but, and yet there is something to be said, which let me just backtrack it. So I took us to the, our teaching and preaching and podcasting. And yet there is a level of spiritual authority because we are reciting scripture. We're proclaiming uh, New Testament, Old Testament. We are making interpretive moves. We have to admit it. Everyone's making interpretive moves with the Bible, uh, but we're trying to apply those things in a healthy way. And so let's backtrack all of that because we have received revelation from Jesus, whether we heard it through a VBS story, our parents, grandparents, a radio show, that is the voice of God going out with the good news of Jesus, the gospel being proclaimed, if you will. And we all, if anyone's in, in the faith received the, this through revelation and receive the ability to receive it uh, through grace. So faith is a gift, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. Faith is a gift, the ability to hear, understand, be awake to it, alive to it, and say, this is what I want to do um, is grace. 
Yeah, I think that's, uh, yeah, that's well said. I mean, we don't have revelation in the same sense Paul does. Uh, but, you know, we, you know, there's this doctrine of revelation. Let's, and, you know, um, let me back up even further uh, and say, mm-hmm. you know, there's this philosophical world called a word called uh, epistemology, which is, you know, the study of how we know things. Yeah, how do how do humans count things as being known? You know, and there's people who, in a, in a modernist scientific understanding of reality, you would have somebody who would say they'd be they would they would their epistemology would be empiricism, that mm-hmm. it must be uh, only what is shown to be true by scientific experiment is what we know to be true. Everything else we don't know to be true. Uh, or rationalism, or other ways of saying how do we how do we count things as knowledge? Knowledge, and I think in the Judeo-Christian, and I I would say probably Islamic understanding for sure. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we believe that the ultimate source, the ground zero of knowledge, is revelation. That we know things because God permits us and enables us to know them. And there's general revelation, which would include science and include empirical you know, results in all of that stuff, that general meaning it's available to everyone, every man, woman, and child has the ability to discover truth of God's creation because we're made in his image and so on. And then there's this special revelation is basically stuff we wouldn't know if God didn't tell us. Mm-hmm. Uh, like this bigger story we're in, you know, Romans 1, we know we can see by creation that there must be some God. And so we're accountable to that knowledge in some way. But without this special revelation, uh, which is, you know, we have special revelation now, mostly by scripture, you know, it's by the Bible, God speaking to us. Uh, And that's given graciously. So we don't have, I mean, God gives us the Bible intentionally. He preserves it for us. We doesn't, you know, it's not a historical accent that we have it. And then he enables us, as you said, faith is a gift. The ability to hear what God really is saying in scripture is a gift. Uh, of God's grace. Um, and so the gospel comes to us because he, because God graciously gives it to us. And it, he, you know, our hearts are open to the gospel because he graciously, uh, in a sense, allows us to have an open heart, gives us an open heart for the gospel. And then, you know, faith is a response. Faith is a gift uh, in some, you know, somewhat mysterious way that we maybe don't fully comprehend. Uh, but in that sense, we just to, to wrestle with, this notion that when we're talking about competing gospels, we don't have the true gospel because we're clever, because we're smart, because we did our research, you know, we Googled some things, whatever. Uh, we have the gospel, we have the truth because God gives it to us. And, you know, the gospel is, you know, I guess the ultimate truth. Uh, and I think that puts us in a situation of it should if I wrestle with that, it should put us in a situation of humility, of perspective, of a proper sense of my place in things. Even when I'm speaking about the gospel, this sense of, you know, you know how some of us can sometimes be talking about the gospel and it's like we have comma, you idiot, you know, at the end of, you know, <laughs> the end of whatever. And so, um, so what do you, I mean, I, I think a lot of us in a sense have some sense of that, but I think it's just easy to forget 
And what does it, you know, how should it change our interaction with God and with people, the fact that it comes to us from God intentionally by grace? And, you know, we can't figure it out on our own and wouldn't have wanted to. Yeah, spoken like a good reformed uh, theologian. Amen, brother. That's you right. Mean correct theologian. The true theologian. The true theologian. <laughs> um, um, and I interact with my, my Methodist friends who say, well, yeah, it's prevenient grace. Like, sure, it's, it's the same. But uh, let me just, let me tangent for one moment. It's pet peeve, so forgive me my soapbox. I would just challenge people, if we if we are a people who say the word gospel a lot, or who just use spiritual jargon a lot, and we repeat words that we are cultural, Christian cultural buzzwords that maybe identify us as maybe being spiritual or, you know, something like that. I would just challenge myself included, try to, try to use different language, try to have the same content with a different word. If you just, if you, cause I, and I say this because it's so easy to throw out the word gospel and I've heard people do it as a criticism of a church or a this is the church I'm going to because they preach the gospel or in the sermon you just said the gospel 60 times but I don't what does that mean like what effect does that have so if you're talking about an aspect of the gospel say those things you're talking about forgiveness or repentance or righteousness or whatever like I just encourage people for any insider jargon Try to use different language with the same meaning. So, soapbox over. Did you want to add anything before I get? Yeah, on? no. I think let me let me let me comment on your soapbox because I think it's. I mean, there are some real answers to that question. Why does people say gospel a hundred times in a sermon? I think sometimes it's just I know that's what I'm supposed to say. That mm-hmm. some people will be mad if I don't say gospel a hundred times in the sermon. Yeah. Uh, right. That it's performative. Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, it's this is like I this is what people like me say gospel a lot when we preach because I want to say that he preaches the gospel, mm-hmm. which is interesting because it sort of means we preach as my gospel, which is the mm-hmm. opposite of what we've been saying for the past twenty years. When he preaches, you know, he says gospel. <laughs> he says gospel a lot, and he says things that I think are the gospel. Where Paul's yeah. saying, "Hey, it's not my gospel. You can like it, you cannot like it. That's fine. It doesn't change it. It comes to us from God." And so if you don't, you know, if this gospel, you either have to show it's not the gospel of scripture or you got a problem with God. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not even that relevant to the process here. Uh, you know, that if you think we've got to earn our way to God, we've got to add stuff to God's grace. Well, either you got to, you know, tell me how you, the scripture says that or you, you got a problem with God because he's giving it to us in this form. And I think that's kind of what Paul is saying to them, right? I mean, your problem, he's saying your problem isn't with me. It's mm-hmm. not like my version versus these Judaizers who come and say you have to add stuff. And not in the situation. This, this came by God. And, uh, and, you know, now you've got to deal with either that's not true or you've got an issue with God, not with me. And I do think, yeah, I think we want validation. So we say gospel a lot. Uh, but that almost can reinforce the fact that this is our gospel. It's a gospel for you, whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, um, so yeah, that's, that's post, a lot on the gospel coming from God. It is. Well, in post soapbox, you know, 
the fact that I claim to be a follower of Christ and believe in the gospel, even though there's it's still working its way in and through my life, and it's a it's a seed that grows slowly and bears fruit slowly and organically and often invisibly and over time and all those things and there's a lot of that to work out but it should make us incredibly grateful people humble people because it's not something that we uh like paul's saying it's not something he started it's certainly not something i started it's not something i get to claim ownership of i'm a participant but i didn't create it and i in a sense, I didn't say I'm such a great person. Doesn't God want me on his team? Um, the, the ability to see myself as a sinner, to see myself as needing forgiveness, to say, I think this is true. Um, this is the best version of any story, you know, um, meta out there. Um, all that is a gift. Yeah, all that's something that I didn't conjure up, and so I don't really get to walk around cocky about it or use it to hurt other people. Um, I think we forget that. I think we forget that it's all a gift because if we, if we, if it's really not a gift, then might as well use it to, you know, advance mm-hmm. me or wound somebody else. But when I look at other people and judge them and condemn them because, well, obviously they don't get it. Well, of course they don't get it. <laughs> right. and the only reason I, I, I got it. I, I, yeah. I, 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 it's not that I get it. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I think so. it's both of those things. It's not just that I can be proud of being the object of God's grace. Because if I think I'm proud of being you know, the object of God's grace, then I don't really understand the word grace. But I can't even be proud of understanding the gospel because that's given as well. It's not just that the gospel is given, but my ability to understand it and submit to it all comes by God's hand. I respond in some mysterious way where I have, I'm responsible for my non-response, but somehow I can't take credit for my response. And so, as you said, uh, humility. Hold on, repeat that. Repeat that last line. That's really good. I'm responsible for my non-response. Yeah, that no one rejects God and then gets to blame God later because we are, we have, we're humans. We have agency and there's some mysterious interplay between my responsibility for my choices and God's sovereignty. Uh, and at the same time, I need God's initiative in order to even respond. Uh, and so somehow both of those things are true. And, and you know, somebody I don't think can legitimately say, I would have responded. Like, so I don't know how it works. Even that, even in that is what I'm saying. There's a level of humility where we can't even fully explain it. But what we know about it is true. We can't always explain how it works, which is the situation we should be in because it comes from God. He's bigger. He's infinite. We're finite. Surely there'll be lots of things that we won't be able to explain about the gospel, and that's okay. And so there's a sense of faith, right? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without faith, it's impossible to respond to God. And faith is this dependent you know, humble relationship where I can't not only save myself, I can't understand salvation, can't save myself, I can't transform myself either. I can't yeah. just get better and do better 
And yet I'm responsible for my initiative in, you know, practicing spiritual disciplines through which God will work. There's this interplay where I have a stewardship. I've been given talents. All of that is true, but God has to bear the fruit. And this whole gracious, humble, submissive, and yet strong life is the life we're called to. And I feel like we're not only proud in a sense, and angry about, you know, that we're Christians and you're not. But this this sense of, hey, you idiot, don't you understand the gospel? Mm. That statement, and nobody actually says it that (laughs) plainly, uh, but that means that that's obviously a statement that betrays the gospel. I mean, I, of course not. Of course, as you said, of course not. That's not how anyone explains the gospel, understands. I mean, nobody had more knowledge about the, the, the goings-on of the day than Paul did. You know, extremely schooled in the law. He knew the whole story. He knew who the, yeah, all the prophecies about the Messiah. His heart was hardened to accepting that Jesus was the Messiah until Jesus breaks through by, by his grace. And we're all in that situation, basically. Our hearts are hardened to accept Jesus as the one who brings salvation to us until he breaks through to us and we are kind of overwhelmed by his grace. I think that's which should make us the opposite of proud and angry. We should make it should make us the opposite of proud and angry, which seems to be proud and angry Christian is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a contradiction. A lot of the church today. Right. Right. That's very much a cultural thing that we find ourselves in that if we're a proud and angry Christian, you know, first of all, check if you're really a Christian and then, you know, be aware that you're betraying what the gospel is because uh, it just doesn't work that way. Um, and yeah, we all find that's... ourselves in that situation. I mean, we can all find ourselves as the kind yeah, of I can be proud idiot of person. Sure. Yeah, yeah I, 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 I'm less proud and angry than it was 10 years ago. And I, I don't know exactly how spiritual growth works, but I do know there are certain things to avoid. And if we can just say, I'm going to avoid being proud and angry, I think that'd get us a long way. Yeah. And I think that's a, you know, that's a good question to ask yourself. Are you more or less proud and angry than you were 10 years ago? And if it's more, that's not spiritual growth. You know, that could, that could likely be spiritual regression. Um, and so maybe that's, you know, we can kind of land the plane on that, on that note, as we talk about God's grace, we, again, we have some responsibility to steward that grace and to respond to it and to cultivate it and to submit to it. And that should result in less proud and less angry. And if it's not, it's something for us to think about. Are we really living gospel lives? Uh, you know, uh, or are we just angry at other preachers who don't preach the gospel as we, as we want them to do? Um, and I think that's a good question for us. I think it's probably a question that should drive us deep, more deeply into our need of God's intervention in our lives through the Holy Spirit, through the work of Christ, in order to transform us more and more into His image. Uh, and so, we say grace and peace is the end of these things, and so that's you know the only way to have peace with God is by His grace. Uh, and so, you know, with that. Let's submit to the gospel and submit to the transformation of the gospel. Uh, Grace and peace. Thanks for listening to Rogue Table Talks. Be sure you're subscribed to our podcast wherever you listen and on our YouTube channel. 
Just search Rogue Table Talks.